The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, August the 19th, and we are continuing what we are affectionately calling Nerd Week. It's really Analytics Week. I don't tell the people who are coming on that it's Nerd Week because then they might feel insulted, but I'm a nerd, too. We're all nerds because we like football and we're smart about football, and one of the smartest football minds out there is joining us today, Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network, official title, NFL Network Analytics Expert. So, like, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, like, do, it's not pejorative to call people nerds, right? Anymore. I don't think it is. I'm proud of being a nerd. I'm wearing, like, I, like, I yeah, chose to wear, like, a Northwestern shirt because I don't get to wear it really this season. So I had to pull it out somewhere. Like, I should have put my glasses on. Like, I should have really <laughs> gotten a calculator out, you know, something. Yeah. 82 rocking the, uh, the old school cow. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, we should point out people don't know this because they didn't hear it before, but you do an incredible. Michael Irvin impression. Can we hear it for the podcast? Okay, sure. So, <clears throat> Irv gives a big pump up speech for everybody yeah. on Sunday mornings before the pregame show. He is our he is our inspiration before the Sunday show starts. I was saying I don't know because he's going to be coming from his home. I don't know if we're going to get the same speech, but typically he walks in and he's like, "Praise that we're here! So thankful, so grateful to be here today. We've been blessed." Let's make it the best show ever. Like every single time. So that's very, that's very good. That's a very good, like if you were picking up people in a lineup who would be do good Michael Irvin impersonations, I don't know that you would necessarily be the number one draft pick, right? But you do a very good one. I'm like that guy who you draft in the fourth round and like somehow gets you first round point. Like that's what it is about my impression. That's really all I got though. (laughs) But that's, it's better than any impression I got. I do. I like try to do a British impression. It's like Scottish and I, my Jerry, like I do a, Redneck North Carolinian accent, it's the same as my Jerry Jones accent, all the, all the same. Uh, uh, but that remi- anyway, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a scattered ADD brain. It reminded me of something. Me I do a good French person speaking English. That's my only oh. other one. Oh, bell. <laughs> like, uh, like, <laughs> bleu. <laughs> no, you're like, are we going to go to the hotel today? The hotel, uh, where we, where oh, we that's actually pretty fun. good. I know, right? You know, how exactly. did you hone your, did you go to France and like speak in English a lot or what did the. So I grew up in Luxembourg and a oh, lot wow. of people who were like trying to be nice to us who didn't speak at the time French, most of my, like I learned as a kid, but whatever, they would speak to us like that. So I just, I thought that's how people spoke. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually awesome. How long were you in Luxembourg? That's crazy. Uh, during elementary school, I was there. Okay. So like it was a good time to, good time to be a kid. You know, you just get to go to Legoland, like all these yeah. crazy things. Like near yeah. there, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, life. That sounds fantastic. I just grew up in High, High Point, North Carolina. We got a big chair, furniture capital of the world. Uh, okay, this is not. We're not doing a very good job of of of, of analyzing football, but we can try. Anyway, follow uh, Cynthia on Twitter at C Freeland uh, and watch. What is? Do you start the? So the I can't ever keep track. The NFL Network NFL Network pregame show starts at like four a.m. Eastern time at this point, right? It's been backed up an hour each year over the past 10 years where it's now you're just going to start at midnight. Is it, is it, what is it? 8 a.m. Eastern time? Like, or maybe so it's like 9 a.m. Eastern time? Eastern time, but the, you know, we are there earlier. So if you can, you know, if you want us to start earlier, I can talk to some people and see if I can make that happen for you. I mean, there's going to be a pregame show for the pregame show at some point. I, I believe Why that. Why wouldn't there be? 
Hey, they sell advertisements, whatever, whatever keeps us all employed. Uh, okay. So one of the things that you do for NFL network and NFL.com and the NFL really is to build a giant statistical model to project what football players will do. How did you, what, what so like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to claim that I get into like, mo- like modeling, but like, I'll like, so I, I like to play fantasy golf. So I'll use fantasy national is a site that you can take. And this is very basic level stuff. Like I'm, I'm using, I'm like picking stats and then using sliders to determine percentages. But is that, that's kind of statistically modeling, right? Absolutely. It's okay. It's really about, look, think of it like making cookies, right? There's okay. all these stats out there. Think of that as like the ingredients, like the flour and the sugar and whatever. And my recipe is like the, my proportion of flour to sugar to butter to whatever, right? Yours can be a little different from mine. And you never know, right? Like which one's right? Luckily with football, sometimes you get to be right. Sometimes you get to be wrong, but it's really about refining that recipe. So you keep mm. trying it and fixing it and tweaking a little bit here, tweaking a little bit there, just so you get the right amount of the right blend of everything. And that's the model. So you're totally right. The sliders, okay. all those things. Really okay. Good. So when you're looking, when you're trying to build, I'm just, because I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure that most of the people who listen to this podcast are smarter than me, but I bet a lot of people don't do analytics. So when you're building out a model, mm-hmm. what, how many different factors are going into it? I mean, are we talking like hundreds, tens, and, and is it long-term, short-term? I'm just curious about the variables for NFL, which is statistically just a lot more difficult to predict because it's a smaller sample size and, you know, more variables, way more variables. And random. Yeah. Like, like, like with golf, for instance. So this week coming up, they're playing on bent grass. Last week they played on Bermuda. You know that certain guys putt better on bent grass than on Bermuda and they like the, the, you know, and different, the courses are set up in a statistical way. Now, random stuff will happen, but football, you like have insane amount of variables in terms of coaching, offensive line, um, and, and all of that. So what sort of things kind of factor in for you? So the best way that I can simplify it is to say, you take a historical reference. So mm-hmm. sometimes 10 seasons is the right amount. Sometimes 15 seasons, it really depends. So the game shifts a little bit. So the sweet spot I found is somewhere between eight and 10 seasons okay. of data. So ultimately you take these past things, you input everything that you know, including coaches, coaching trees, because people tend to act like their mentors where they sure. were taught and all of these different factors, you put in personnel, you look for, you know, things like, do you have a team where there's two running backs or do you have one lead back, right? Like you, you take all of the variables. Are they running outside zone? Are they mostly inside? What, what, what are the, what is the strategy? And you take what happened. So this is a strategy and this is what happened. And this is my historical reference model. Then you take a training set of data and you see, are these things correlated? So you do a lot of actual statistics to say, you know, are the, are, is the R value high enough, right? Like sure. are, what are the different correlations? How much error do you have, et cetera? And then you find ranges that seem to be about correct. The way that it's different with football and the cheat sheet that I use, because you got to hack it. I'm a banker, not a statistician. A lot of these people, <laughs> right. I come from banking. I want, I want an answer so I can buy that stock now, right? I don't want right. to wait six months to make the model. So I ask, I, I phone a friend, right? I'll call a coach and I'll be like, what was the safety supposed to be doing here? Is that inside uh, leverage or outside leverage? Like, I'll just ask because if anyone claims they know what the coach called, they're a liar. Right. Coach. Right. And even like, like I think, so Jeff Schwartz, who I love and you know has been on the podcast before and does a great job. Yeah. Like he's a former professional offensive lineman and he's smart and he knows how to explain certain stuff, but he, even he is still guessing. You know what I mean? Like if you, and, and, except on the chief stuff, cause he can actually ask Mitchell. Well, but, phone a friend. Yeah. Right. Right. He can find a friend, but yeah, unless you know exactly what the play call was, you can't know what assignments were. And because things happen. So like, let's say you have a left tackle who gets beat by an edge rusher, all of a sudden it changes up what we might see. And everybody sort of knows that, but that's really hard from a statistical standpoint to input, right? Right. So the, the other thing that I've been able to do is, and again, this is where I, I got lucky, you know, like sometimes you, you pick the right, like you buy the Amazon stock. Cause you're like, whatever my, you know, my kids ordering off Amazon, what you, you somehow find this thing early. Well, the thing I found a little bit early was computer vision. So what it looks like is kind of like a telestrator. Okay. And what that allows me to do is to draw 
circles and lines and squares, and it measures exact distances things are apart from each other. So even ahead of when the next gen stats have been using GPS data to, you know, to be able to, to coordinate that, I've been able to go back through historical film and be like, every time this corner is within five yards of this oh, wow. type of receiver or this route, then it's good. And that's where I've had the most, I'm going to use the word luck, but I've had the most luck being able to talk to coaches and understand, hey, is this what was intended? Because by the way, you can call a play and that doesn't mean someone's going to do it right. 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 Like the edge rusher could beat the left tackle, but it, it could look like it's the left tackle that's getting beat, but it was really a tight ends assignment. We don't sure. know. So- he doesn't ship. And then all of a sudden it looks like the left tackle loses. So, so, I mean, and this makes a lot of sense. I mean, you have, by working at the NFL network and the NFL, you are, you have more resources than, than say like, you know, uh, so for instance, Ben Baldwin works at the athletic and they did like the R scrap project or whatever. And like, I don't know what the hell that is. And yeah. I've tried to look at it and I'm like, nah, you know what? I'm, I'm almost 40 years old. I'm not, I'm not learning. I, and You're I like, think old dog, no new tricks. Got it. <laughs> no, no, I'm down for new tricks, but I just don't <laughs> know that like old dog is learning algebra. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know that I don't know, like learning to talk at this age. So, but I mean, I think like it definitely helps to have the resources of, you know, the NFL behind it. And obviously you've made great contacts and, and do great work. I'm not questioning it, but that well, helps. I really, the only reason my role now, it's, it's a little, it's all because of things I did in my career in like starting in 2008. So when I worked at the league office in finance, we uh, were working on a project. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Fancy schmancy. That beast yeah. was paying off, right? Yeah, there you go. The journalism Northwest. Yeah, it's like, I tricked you, suckers. <laughs> I came in here and like, like it's a Trojan horse, a Northwestern Trojan horse of, of business and finance designed to sneak your way into becoming, getting into, getting into high stakes world of the media. Well, we really, what happened was, is I worked on a project that was called season inventory restructuring. So it was like, is 16 and four, the right, the optimal revenue configure. This is both ahead of the last CBA negotiations, right? Okay. I'm old. I'm an old dog. So CBA negotiations last time, are is it 16 and four, 17 and three? What's, what's the, the oh, optimal yeah. blend? And by the way, how do we value things like attracting new fans who maybe can only afford to come to a preseason game? So, you know, you have to put, you have to write creative financial models based on that. Well, I got to sit with the competition committee, who's the coolest part of the NFL. Sure. And when you sit, when you sit with them, you get to eat snacks. They swear. It's a dark room where you watch film. And they actually appreciate when you ask a question because it's – and by the way, this is an advantage of being a woman. Nobody expected me to know where the safety sure. is. Sure. Right, right, right. Right? So it's I It's like that time that Jordan Rodriguez asked Cam Newton about receivers. And he's like, what are you doing, lady? No, but I mean, by the way, there's like – like and I guess if it's – so we're talking before the last CBA. I mean, it's like peak Jeff Fisher competition committee, right? And like, like you, I mean, it's kind of nerve wracking when they're watching film in that room. Like you, like you pipe up and you say, if you say something stupid, they're gonna be like, hey, look, what are we doing? Here? I didn't. You know what? You know what? This is actually it's kind of funny because when I was younger, I had better metabolism. I and I still can eat pretty well, but like it's starting to catch up with me. But like before, I could eat like I could throw down like steak. Okay. Another dessert for, for middle of the day. Great. And so they kind of respected how much I could eat. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, like so, that girl from the finance committee can throw down some wings. <laughs> so no, for real. And so I kind of like, like, and then I just, I was like, Hey, this might be a stupid question, but why was the safety standing there? It looked like it should have been like, what is, it? cause I, I know, en- I know enough about football. Sure. To ask, I wasn't just being like, which one is the quarterback? Who's this court? Yeah, right. Of course not. Yeah. But I mean, like that creates, so like being able to do that with the finance, like as, as part of that job where you would normally not be like, that is not a typical NBA experience. Right. Okay. And so by virtue of doing that, you build the base up. And that's what I was going to ask too. Like when you do the model, let's say you, you put in a bunch of stuff and it spits out that Reggie Bonathan is going to be the Panthers leading rusher. Like, you know what I mean? And what, like, and that's an extreme, obviously, but. Right. The model is broken. So, right. so here's, here's a more relevant example. 
you try to find things you want to be unbiased. The best part about yeah. analytics is to, is the lack of bias. Like I can't look at like, I'm, you know, my, uh, maybe I like Saquon Barkley more than Ezekiel for whatever reason. I went to sure. Penn State or a big 10 and I don't like Ohio state. Cause I'm from the state of Michigan, whatever, who knows, right? Like I'm not, I, I don't want to be biased. Right. So the best part is when it spits out correlations are nonsense. Like um, third down is correlated to, uh, the wind speed of b- prior to a kick that stuff's not like you have to go through and the eye test has to match like what okay. the math is right so you got to ask the co- you have to have your phone of friends and by the way there's lots of different models and they're not all named after old school rappers because again i'm old and i like to pay homage to that wait, 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 i don't think we wait, wait what is your what is your model name i don't think we oh there's tons so okay. if- you name them all after old school rappers Mm-hmm. Like ETE has been like yeah. my like low key like favorite one, but Q-tip that like Q-tip that one's been working really well. Most of my the stuff that like my game score ones that's Biggie because I'm <laughs> big ups to Brooklyn. Right. Uh, that's I don't know. And so we've, we've got two. Pod- is Amy Trask aware of your model being named EZE? By the way, if not, you should DM her. I should tell her. You should I'll tell, definitely her. tell her. Yeah. <laughs> um. So wait, wait, so like when you, when you say the different models, so like Q-tip versus EZE, is it, are they both going to the same goal with different inputs? Is that what you mean? Or are they just for different, totally different things? Totally different things. Like okay. one is, one is, um, you know, player production, other is schematic. They all work together because mm-hmm. think of it, think of it like, um, think of it like how you would value stocks in the stock market, right? <laughs> like you kind of have to have a different model for tech stocks than you do for like car stocks. Sure, because sure. They, they run on different fundamentals. They're just different things that drive each one, right? right. So the each, and, and, he, and here it's like, okay, there's draft ones. There's, you know, college transitioning to. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. You know, there, there's just lots of different ways to kind of look at it. So ultimately you got to have some, some different models to, to figure out the different ways. And then by the way, if you want to do like a really good job and like, this is my, like, this is again, you have, this is my OCD coming in. You also have to have the model that's totally AI, which is like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I set up the parameters and then I have it look for its own like clusters Whoa. of information and that's actually super fast. That's where like, but that's sometimes where like third downs related to wind speed or whatever. You're like, no, no, no. Like that's not but, <laughs> no computer. That is not how football works. Right. Oh, interesting. You know, but you okay. have, but you have to have something that's unbiased so that you can keep getting to, because you can think something and you could like, I, I know I have this like big theory on like why I'm drafting Baker Mayfield, like why I'm waiting and in a draft Baker Mayfield because they beat everyone with Baker Mayfield. And, I could like sell myself really hard on that, but like, sure. I might, my, my, like, what if he sucks? Like play, what if he can't execute? Play oh, okay. Right. Well, th- this is literally my next question. Perfect. So, no, so great segue. I mean, all right. Let's take a team. Let's take the Browns as a, as a, as a, as a specific example. So mm-hmm. this is a pandemic off season that has to make things, I assume, harder. Yes. And so my working theory, and, I, and I'm not alone on this, but mm-hmm. that like, People, teams with head coach, quarterback, offensive coordinator, and offensive line consistency are going to be better, especially in the first probably four to eight weeks of the season. Okay, there we go. Wow, look, I, yeah. I, I look yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm living in a simulation. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a model. I didn't know it. Um, no, but like, I think the first four weeks of the season, teams, especially offensive line and, and quarterbacks, but so I, I don't know what to do with the Browns because I agree with you. I really like Kevin Stefanski. I think he applies analytics to football. I think he's going to do the opposite of what Freddie Kitchens did, which was try to reinvent the wheel by combining the air raid and whatever else in like, in Baker's like the spread and the air raid. Like just don't, what are you doing? You don't, you don't need a new offense. Somebody would have combined them already if that if it was that good of an idea. And I think Stefanski's going to get back to basics and run. Uh, Bill Barnwell said this yesterday on, on the show, but he, he thinks we'll see a lot of outside zone. And I think we're going to see. Some RPOs, maybe later on in the season, but a lot of bootlegs and play action. All play and, action. Look what he did with Kirk Cousins. Right. The, Kirk, and it, it is very obvious. Like Kirk Cousins, if you look at like you, like you don't need to, I mean, you don't need an MBA from Northwestern to figure this out. You need like a sports info solution login and you can like plug it in and see that Kirk Cousins is great on play action. So why not play to his strengths? It, I, I guess. How do you model the Browns in this offseason where we might like them a little bit more in a normal offseason? And what, like, does that theory hold water with the consistency? And I guess, what do you think about the Browns? That's three questions that could have so, been asked better. Sorry. The, the, no, no, the first, like, I'm going out of order, but the first That's one fine. is, 
I'm <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Whatever. I have, I've got the good ADD too. Um, functional ADD. So, uh, the, the good thing that, or the thing that I've been, the thing, my premise is that teams with more continuity, especially at key positions, they're going to be better off. Just, just does, doesn't matter. Right. Like the more con- continue, like if you have and and older players too, right? Like it, if they're all rookies or super young, that could not be as good. The Panthers defense is going to suck. It's just going to suck. There's going no way it won't see, which yeah. helps Christian McCaffrey's fantasy value. So it works out. But, but ultimately, um, look, it's continuity. Like the Chiefs are in a great spot. Their secondary is a little bit dicey, but every other piece is fine. And then the new piece, Clyde Edwards or Lair because of Damian Williams opting out, like running backs have a shorter learning curve historically, sure. especially running backs that come from offenses that take X amount of snaps of which LSU took beyond oh. X amount of snaps. So okay. things like that, running backs. Running backs are um, quicker to learn. Pass rushers, quicker to learn. Things like corners and safeties, they tend to be a little longer. Um, linebackers who play primarily in coverage, longer learning curve. Um, in uh, Outside, uh, like tackles are and, and tight ends, depending on how they're used, blocking schemes take a bit longer to to learn inside, you know, guards and centers, they tend to go a little bit faster. Just those are over the historical tendencies. Well, and, but I mean, a lot of that is just like see ball, run ball, see ball, like see ball, tackle ball. I mean, like if you're, if you're being aggressive and just, you're, you're, you know, an easier responsibility that you typically speaking, you're going to have less. I think that Clyde Edwards hilarious thing is really interesting. So more is it like you see a correlation between running back success and snaps the previous year or full college snaps or what is it? So I, I do it as number of snaps. So like if you, if you kind of break down, if you, you got to go outside, inside, and then pass catches, like just let's make it four or five things, right? Okay. Like, and then do it like a resume. How many times have they done it? And then how many times have they been successful with it? Because sometimes a lot of volume can be to your detriment, can be bad. Right. Remember, like everyone thought Derrick Henry was going to have no tread on the tires left because he played like a bajillion snaps. They didn't play a very complex offense though at right. Alabama. So how, how many different looks, how many different, you know, pass situations is the running back in? Because then they're typically asked to block. How often do they block these types of things? Those all project for how quickly they'll transition to the, to the game that they're in. You know, I remember depends on the use. You go to Andy Reid, you need to be able to catch passes. You got to Andy Reid, you got to be able to run inside outside any sort of scheme and by the way you have to be able to handle that Patrick Mahomes is going to make decisions that fast which yeah. everyone does right so right. It, it's the 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 resume match is a really nice fit so it goes fast like Jonathan Taylor's another one who's a good resume match he might not be great like fantasy pick but like he's going to have his because of the Wisconsin what he did at Wisconsin it matches what's likely it's almost to identical to what what they want to do in Indianapolis and exactly. he has Marlon Mack there. So he's not going to be asked to do everything right away. He's not going to be asked to do the thing. That's not his thing. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not right away. So he's not, he's not a good pass catcher either, by the way. And they have Naeem Hines too. Like he, they're not going to ask, he is a good pass catcher. They just didn't use him in Wisconsin. And like Paul Chris tried to use him more his senior year to, to or I guess his junior year to help him get ready for the NFL, but they're not going to throw him out there. It's like, Hey buddy, you're on third down every time better pass block and catch passes. Like it's not, they won't do that. Right. And they don't need to, which is great because then he'll be able to earn those. He'll be able to start seeing the vision and, and figuring it out. Right. And like, remember defense is a process of elimination game. So defense will look at the offense and they'll be like, it can't be X or Y. And then, well, okay. Don't use X or Y because those are receivers. It can't be right. thing one, thing two. Right. Then they'll see a little pre-snap motion or not. Oh, it can't be whatever. So defense really has a big, like the Steelers have a big advantage in the first few weeks because their defense is just nasty. Yeah. So that's helpful for them. And they're all coming back you know, relatively all coming back. And especially like, you know, you already got that Minka Fitzpatrick getting acclimated to their system. So those are adv- big advantages for teams with really good defenses. So okay. that, that leads me back to the Browns, yes. um, which was really your question. Good job. <laughs> um, I was like, what were we talking about? Where were we? No, yeah. I think that, um I think the thing about Baker Mayfield is, if you go to see where he has had success, when he was kept clean last season, he played significantly better than when he was under pressure. He was always under pressure. When they did a lot of calling the same play over and over again, which that strategy, I've been re- that's been one of the things this offseason, well, this COVID that I spent a lot of time on is what happens when you call the same play twice? And because it, it either works really well, see 49ers, 
or it works really bad, like see Browns. But the but the difference with and you're 100 percent right because I like when I play Madden, I do this. I'm like, oh, that play worked. I'm gonna run it again. But okay. defenses, like you said, they work on process of elimination. Well, they also key in on certain like visual things. Right. And the 49ers, the whole point is that like everything looks the same, and it the might focus. be a similar. Right. It's, but it's, but like, like it might be George Kittle leaking out on play action, but it actually looks like an outside zone run or something like that. Whereas the Browns were li- literally just running same plays over and over again. Yep. It's like, we got this one. Yeah. Freddie's like, that worked. Hey, let's dial that thing up again. And the defense is like, this car, are you kidding me? They're running the same play. And because the defense just snuffed that stuff out like that. Especially their red zone play. It's like they only had four red zone plays. You know, you're like, yeah. uh, didn't you just do that? Whatever. So. Um, so I think the Browns this year, I think that the thing about, I'm a more of a Baker Mayfield believer than like most. And I, I'm not like, a, like I'm, I'm, I'm in and cause I've seen him do really great things. And if you go back to kind of what worked with when Freddie Kitchens first took over, and then if you go back to what worked when he was in college, he's really good at play action. He's got a great arm. It's, yep. and the thing about their running backs is they'll provide him with that look that keeps defenses honest. So they improve their O-line, really like adding their right tackle, Jack Conklin. I really like I, – I think they're they're significantly improved their capacity to – because Conklin's a vet, and obviously Conklin knows how to block for a runner, see Derrick Henry. So, you know, it, it, these are things that kind of translate well. And I think – I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to be throwing for 300 yards a game, like at least not in the beginning, but I don't think he's going to have to because – the balance that you're going to see with like a Nick Chubb and like Kareem Hunt. By the way, what we don't have to talk about, I feel like no one's talking about him at all. Um, Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb? Kareem Hunt. I think Chubb, yep. And then Hunt, like sneaky, they're going to use him. So I mean, he led the league in rushing three years ago. Now his off field stuff, not ideal, but I mean, from a football perspective, yeah, he's, I I was on Cleveland radio like a week ago at some point and with uh, Dustin Fox and Adam the Bull. And they asked me, like, who is there anybody in the NFL that has a better skill position group than the Cleveland Browns? And I, I don't know that there is. Like Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Austin Hooper, and David Njoku. That's sick. Like that's really good. Yeah, and and what I think Stefanski will do, like I don't think Kirk Cousins is more than an average quarterback, maybe slightly better than average quarterback. But what he was able to, those, I mean, fourteen t- touchdowns using play action. That's a lot of touchdowns using play action. That's the most in the league last season. Yeah. Efficiency, you know, I have like a, a over 104 passer rating on using play action. And, you know, I, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is bad. I'm just saying he's not great, right? Like he's, he's not up there with the guys. He is, he is a scalable quarterback with the right weapons and the proper scheme. He's a yep. rich man's Andy Dalton. Exactly. And Baker, okay. I mean, like, and just as a, like a statistical point, this is what people who just, just dump on Baker. All right. So. 64.1, 68 68.1, 70.9, 70.5, 63.8, and 59.4. There's one very obvious outlier there. And I mean, he is not an inaccurate quarterback. He's just not. He, he was the all time completion percentage leader in college football when he left Oklahoma. And he has tons of bo- like a work of body to back it up. Like his resume is extensive. This is not a guy who's just going to suddenly flame out. No, I mean, I, I completely right? agree with you. And, and my other, like my last point about Baker is I think that I, I don't mind the swagger. I don't mind the like feeling dangerous, whatever. Like I don't mind any of that, but I do think that, you know, once he gets a little, I, I think it's kind of like he got to get his mojo back a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, like once he gets that mojo, we could see like on fire Baker easily. And, and I'm a little, I, I'm their secondary is a little suspect to me as well. So I'm, I'm like, all right, well, what are we going to get from the, so Perhaps you'll have, you know, we got a good pass rush up front, but like maybe he'll have to throw for 300 yards like later in the season. And my fantasy, like whatever I've convinced myself up will turn out. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. And, and by the, the other thing Baker didn't do, I like to call it like the GQ slash Mina Kimes interview. Like he didn't do that this offseason. That's good. Let somebody Sorry. else do it. It doesn't work out. And Mina's great. And GQ is a fantastic magazine. But if you're doing those interviews, there's going to be a target on your back. Um, <laughs> GQ, if you want to do this interview, because I'll be coming to you from my, live from my living room, so the right. target will be hard to get. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that like GQ's like, listen, man, we've seen the the setup back there. You got a you got a garden gnome and an NC State helmet. Nobody's. <laughs> <doing this time." laughs> 
Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. and we come back, maybe Baker Mayfield could be a sleeper for most passing yards in the NFL. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so in your model, you created, and this is uh, up on NFL.com right now. It was posted like the last couple of weeks I think, yeah, like, like late July and you broke down. Oh no, that was the Browns. Excuse me. I screwed that up. I looked at the wrong thing. When did the, when did the uh, projections come out? I'll look it up. You know, so it's the, like a week ago. I don't it was know. Like a week ago. I was like, I thought it was sooner than that. It was, re- it was recent. It was recent. Okay. So you wrote about the Browns Cowboys set to thrive with the new offensive mind. That was really interesting. I can't, I've been banned by listeners to talk about the Cowboys or the Eagles anymore. Why? They're, they're tired of them. But I, but I thought that I, I want to ask you about the point about before we're going to ask the Cowboys anyway. Then we'll get the stats. Yeah. So, the cow, so on here, you included in the model something related to like basically the conservative nature of Jason Garrett versus Mike McCarthy. And it's been referenced some on the pod, but just how stark is the difference there? So it's the, the thing that's, I'm not going to, I'm not like an anti J. Jason Garrett person. I think the thing that's really great about Jason Garrett is especially if you have like for Daniel Jones and the Giants, it's a really big positive. He developed, he did a really good job developing Dak as much as everybody, myself included, like to kill him for the clapping and the, and the losing the close games and the field goals. Yeah. All that. Like Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback and he was a late round pick that Jason Garrett developed. Yeah. So, and if you look at to see how that happened, it was like, let's lean on the things we've got. Like, he didn't, Dak Prescott didn't attempt an outside, a deep pass outside the numbers until like, I don't know, I want to say like eight games of starting. So it, he created a, a, a path for Dak to be able to ease into it, which is honestly like one of the things, best things that you can ask for, especially we saw how accurate Daniel Jones was when he had time to throw last season. So. Sure. These are great. So I'm not saying it's going to be good for them that that's where they are right now, but it's kind of like they kind of outgrew what was being asked of them. Right. Because Jason Garrett, really what happened was, is you kind of have this equity, obviously with this great O line and you have this great running back and you have these receivers and you're kind of putting them in heavy sets that reflect a more kind of traditional 90s style football. He's, he's Nick Saban's old OC. Like the dude, I mean, he's not, he's not a modern play caller. Right. And you have a modern team. I mean, Amari Cooper, you won't, you go out and get him and then he, you kind of don't optimize for him. Right. So what we've seen from Mike McCarthy, I mean, I, I don't know the exact, I can't, I don't, I can't remember the exact rankings, but I don't think he ever ranked within the outside the top, like number three in terms of calling plays and with three or four receiver personnel. So, yeah. you know, 11 personnel, the most common personnel, but the number of times he did it was just so much higher and spreading it out. It was the most wet West coast spread offense. And you saw, you know, obviously to accommodate Aaron Rodgers. like, you've seen, you've seen, he's pretty good. Um, you've seen those things kind of work. So it's less about, I, I wouldn't say it's about taking risks that weren't calculated. Cause I think McCarthy takes smart risks. I think it's about optimizing the play call for the personnel. Sure. And I, and I think Jason Garrett was a little conservative, especially in the red area with, and he wasn't even really calling the plays. It was like his system. And then they all follow a system. Do you know what I mean? Like he wasn't on the headset being like, Oh, Cal- no, he, he, you never heard, you never seen Jason. And again, I'm not, but you never seen Ryan Wilson on this podcast points out. You've never seen him say a word into the headset. He never talks. I think the last time he called the play, and I don't know if I'm supposed to tell this, but whatever, I think it was like not recent. Like I think it was before I worked at the NFL that he directly called. He, it's his system, his principle. Like when he was like on the sideline with Nick Saban. 
No, no, he would have called a play when he was working for when he was under Wade Phillips, right? When he was the OC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he definitely, but I don't That's know. Like 2009. Right. Like I said, it's right around when I worked at the, the league office, like when I was starting like eight, sure. nine, something like that. Yeah. Right. So. I mean, but, that's, but that's okay because he's the head coach. Like he's, that's not, you don't have to call the plays as the head coach. No, your, that's their, that's their prerogative, right? So yeah. it's their system and whatever. And they are very true to their system. And you have to give credit to the people who are, you know, executing. It's kind of like the military, right? Like he has a military background, right? Like, you know, you are your chain of command. And so uh, the, it's just modern football is a bit more fluid. Yeah. No, you, you want to be different. And McCarthy's going to call his plays. No, I mean, look. I, there's, you, you get, you get Jason Garrett has a good, I can't believe I'm propping up for Jason Garrett. I'm sort of backing down here. I like, but I do think that he gets a raw, a bit of a raw deal and it is like a running gag. Like we like to pick the people we make jokes about and do that. We do it with, we did it with Blake Bortles, do it with yeah. you know, Jason Garrett, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, um, so back to the, back to the, but I, that's actually interesting for Daniel Jones. You think he maybe low interception rate, probably cut down on his fumbles. Ask him to make easier throws, utilize the personnel, run Saquon Barkley a bunch. I, I thought until until the opt outs happened, I was on board. But now with Nate Solder gone, that's a that's a really big loss yeah. uh, because you're asking a very non season. Now you have two rookies, one who was not very highly drafted, and so that's a little dicey for me. So I think they're going to be okay, but I I would have been happier. Had we seen Nate Solder, I would yeah, have had a no. little more faith in it. I, I'm with you. I'm with you completely. Okay. So to the point about the passing numbers. Now, Patrick Mahomes, your model cranked out that Patrick Mahomes is most likely to have, uh, the number, the highest number of passing yards in the NFL this year. Uh, it's a very, I, I think I wrote in the rundown, it's like very obvious, but it's a good choice. Like, why would you go with anybody else? The defense <laughs> right. might not be great. He's the best football player in, in the world. And, they pass the ball a lot, even if those short pass, those short passes that are really running back production. A little one yard flip things. Still counts. Around, yeah. Still counts. Yeah, right. Um, it makes total sense. Who, who would be a sleeper? And, oh yeah. I, and I don't, I don't know if you can say this since you work for the NFL, but do you look at like Vegas odds when you, is that any part of your model at all? You know, I, I don't look at anything that is not in my contract. You know, that's not, that, that word doesn't exist, but okay. sorry, sorry. Don't, don't even answer the question. Wait, wait. But if you ask me certain benchmarks, like for example, do I think Philip rivers is going to throw for more than 1100 yards? My answer is yes. Or yes. whatever. Not, not 1100. Uh, right. What is it? 3,100 oh. yards. The answer is yes. Ah, uh, okay. You no, know, if you ask me certain benchmarks, I, I can tell you any benchmark, the model can tell you any about the probability of can tell you whether it's more or less than a certain number. Yeah. Like will Ryan Tannehill throw for 22 touchdowns? My model says he will. Oh, really? That's a lot. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. So who would be a sleeper to lead the league in passing? Like when you saw the output and you're like, Whoa, all right. Nah, all right now. Like who, who are you surprised to see at the top of the list? Maybe not surprised because I think he's kind of perennially underrated, but Matt Ryan was surprising to me to be a smart a smart choice for potentially leading the the lead in it. And I mean, Dak Prescott, but that doesn't seem that surprising to me. That one seemed a little bit like, Oh, well, okay. I mean, I think that, I mean, well, the thing with those two is that they are on teams. that are going to pass the ball a ton and don't look like they're going to have very good defenses. That's and, and then, so that the last one there would be Tom Brady, which the, the kind of, oh, that would be surprising. That one was the most surprising of the not so. I mean, it's the same model, right? Like the Bucks have a good front of their defense, and Todd Bowles is a master. But their secondary is super young, and I think the game flow will have to. Their people are gonna have to pass on them. So I think Tom Brady will, and I don't understand about Rojo. I'm not sure what to make of their running backs there in Tampa. So that's one that could be your little potential. Wow, sneaky pick. I'm I'm looking to see. Ah, interesting. Now, I will say that Tom Brady is not, not likely to, to lead, to be up there. I was surprised. I was surprised to see, um, the guy I kind of like. Say whatever you want about that place. I guess, that- okay. Tom Brady's eight to one to lead the league yeah. in passing, which is pretty good value. Patrick Mahomes is four and a half to one. Matt Ryan, seven to one. Dak Prescott, seven to one. Um, I, what Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz are interesting to me. Kyler Murray is kind of interesting. 
Oh, I love, Ky- I'm all in on Kyler Murray. Like anyone who's going to play fantasy with me, by the way, um, I don't know who else you're having on this nerd week, but we're, I'm organizing like all, like I'm making, trying to make other NFL teams nerds play with me in a fantasy league this year. Cause, cause that's what I need. Another fantasy team. But, uh, but, uh, how many but, fantasy leagues do you have? Ugh, like way too many. I like, like seven, 12. Right now I'm at five, which is at five the max. So, but I, I'd be willing to do six for this one, but I'm, I, I'm all in. And then like, they're all going to, they listen in, they'll steal my Kyler Murray. Like, so are like, you trying Kyler to get, Murray. are you trying to get like other nerds from the media or other nerds from like, like the, like, like the, the stat nerds from the each team? From each team. Oh. So do you guys have like an analytical, like tech group text? Yes. You really? That's amazing. Okay. There are surprisingly like, the, the people who do the stuff, like I follow some on Twitter, like they're out there, but they don't really tweet about football. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're not, like, I mean, I think maybe they have to keep it in house. I don't know exactly how that works, but we, we actually spend a lot of time. So golf, you brought it up earlier. The, they give you like this dearth of like amazing stats, like on PGA.com. Like, they will tell you yeah. everything that you want to know. So lately we've all been talking a little talk a little trash about golf because I may or may not I, listen I'm not, I'm touchdown dancing here cuz I won I beat all the I beat all the other losers it was it was all about all I had to do was look at whose college course it was and you know thanks Colin appreciate you so oh, yeah all the local guys did really well although like Xander ended up having a decent day cuz he was out there but Morikawa so you guys did like a major was, I'm like thanks Colin no we're on a first name basis now that's what I've decided Jim I don't know no, Jim Nance said it's Colin. Tiger, Jack, Colin. That's, That's what, what I'm going with. I know. I listen, I listen to Jim Nance. Like, what am I going to do? So, yeah. uh, but that was, that was really what put me over the top. I was really happy about that. That's awesome. That's actually, a, I mean, look, course familiarity matters. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. So what about Matthew Stafford? Oh, no, wait, wait sorry. Dude, tell me about Kyler Murray. What am I? Oh, I swear to God, I can see a squirrel yeah. and I'm like, what? Look, a squirrel. I, that's my life. Welcome. Um, yeah. Kyler Murray, I think that whole Arizona offense is going to be, really fun to watch. I think sneaky potential for playoffs, which sounds ridiculous, but no, I'm, I'm in on the playoffs for Cardinals. I, I think they're, I think they're going to be very good this season. And I think, you know, we can talk as much as we want about like Jamal Adams and, you know, the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and that amazing video he made. But I think when it comes down to that, I don't know if they have enough playmakers and their defense, like who's going to move pass rush. You can ask Jamal uh, Adams. To rush uh, uh, <laughs> like, like, I mean, even if they get clowny back, he's not like, he doesn't pile up sacks and he's a great defensive player, but they but don't he, have an edge presence. So, I mean, that right. was the one thing about the Legion of boom is that as good as they were on the secondary, they signed Michael Bennett and they signed Cliff Averill on the cheap. And that's how they bolstered that right. secondary by having a, an upfront, presence that could rush the passer. I don't know that without that, they can be as good as they want. You can't in the 2020 run the football a ton and not have an elite defense. Like it's just not going to work. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't right. work that way. So, it, so I think that Cardinals have like a really good chance to be able to just make, just like do some damage um, just with their offense. Alone. You think they are probably likely to win more than say seven games? Yes. Okay. I cool. think that, I think seven is very conservative. Oh, okay. we play 16. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. If, if, that seven is only relevant for 16 games. <laughs> right. Right. So I think that's a, I think that's a, a very conservative estimate. I think nine would be something where I'd be like, Hmm, the nine's more like it. I think. Okay. That, okay. All right. Now we're talking. Could Kyler Murray lead the league in passing? He, he absolutely could. The only reason that I don't think he will is my other fantasy like favorite, which is Kenyon Drake. And I think Drake, you saw him be just totally effective they figured out how to use him. It was all about he handles that quick pace so well. Right. They didn't use him like that in Miami. So him coming over to Arizona, that the use just totally went comp- like he just became like, oh, this is this is how we're supposed to use this piece. This this is what he does. So I think Kenyon Drake, like that's the one who could probably win your fantasy league because I don't think people will be drafting him high enough. You can probably get him in the second round of your like draft. Early second round, yeah. Although I think now he's like moved up ahead of Chubb in in a lot of draft. I, I hope that by the time I draft, that's not the case. I want Drake. <laughs> Drake's a stud. He's a stud. I think he's, I think he's great, but like it doesn't work. I think people will be a little hesitant to buy in. A, there's a little hype around the Cardinals and B, you know, Drake came over mid season. So you're projecting a, I'm saying, I'm saying that's why you can get a discount. I agree. With that. I think he's, I think he's a great player. Yeah. Um, would you take him? This is going to be a big step forward for Kyler Murray too. Like I, I think it's going to be, I think he ends up top 
eight amongst quarterbacks in fantasy. Okay. He, I think he'd be number one. I, I legitimately believe that. Like I, I really well, do. He could easily be that. I mean, the, like I said, the only, the only reason for me not thinking so is like the, the division that they play in is a little less pass happy than some of the other, their sure. schedule is a little less pass, like meaning the other teams, right? So the other teams rely on the run a bit more like San Francisco. So that's two games where he's not going to necessarily need 300 passing yards to win. Right. This is my thought. You know, so he could, in other words, he could take a big step forward as a player. Oh, and maybe this, and maybe the stats don't necessarily. I think that's will, but like not, I don't know if they go for number one, but like, I think again, totally draft. If he played the Falcons 16 times, he would lead the league in, like, you know what I mean? Like that's, you don't get to do that, right? You have to play good defenses multiple times in that division. You have Jalen Ramsey, Richard Sherman, and Jamal Adams. Right. Uh, okay. So I had a, can you, you're just leading me to another question, make it much easier. Um, Le'Veon Bell projected really well for you. It's a little surprising, right? Kind of, but also kind of not. Like the the first reason the Jets really didn't address. Okay, so Denzel Mims, who may or may not be injured as of the time we're talking about this, um, who's gonna catch passes for them? Like, how many times can you go to Jamison Crowder? Because I'm I mean, a lot. You're like 110, but you're gonna end up with 800 yards, right? Or like eight <laughs> yards, right? Like yeah. Jarvis Landry in the days of Miami when Adam Gase yeah. was calling. It was like, did he even get you a positive yard or do you have to take the negative despite the catch? And that's one for the PPR, but minus what, whatever. So, right. you know, like I think that Lev Bell will outperform where people are projecting him. I think people are like kind of out on him and they're like, oh, he's really good. He's being, he's being lumped with like David Johnson. <laughs> Great. And, I'll take Lev Bell every day. Yeah, for that. sure. Yeah. So um, that's where I think the using the passing game and also they have Frank Gore and you forget or don't forget or depend. I don't know what people think of that, but Frank Gore is older than you and me combined. Yes. And, and so ultimately they're going to have now that guy who, you know, gets the, the forward progress with the, on the ground, not this whole turn back and forth thing, which has worked for Lev Bell in the past. But, you know, and, and I think also with a full game of Sam Darnold or full season of Sam Darnold, presumably healthy, right? Like mono, probably not going to be the thing this year. Let's hope. He get it twice. You I don't know, think. I don't know. If he gets mono twice, like that's the funniest thing ever. If he gets mono twice, uh, your colleague Kyle Brandt better not name check me for talking about my motto on NFL Network when I didn't even get, I never had motto, nor did I even mention motto. I'll wake up in the morning, I'm watching TV in my living room, and I hear Kyle Brandt's like, Andrew Perloff and Will Brinson won't shut up about their motto. I'm like, I didn't, like, what is happening? Like, the whole world thinks I got to get text. People thought I got motto. I had had motto in college. A lot of people had motto. It's like, cool. You're like, yeah, I had mono. Don't worry about it. It's not cool. It was not cool. <laughs> I did. I wasn't even like, you're supposed to be kissing people for it. I wasn't even kissing people for it. I just, oh, no, that's with a bunch of people. It wasn't even a good, a good story. I just got uh, mono. It's, you can't even humble brag about having mono. Um, uh, okay. So rookies who might perform well, Michael Pittman and Henry Ruggs pop for you. Uh, how, what, uh, what led to their, the, them being so high in terms of your model? It really was opportunity, right? Like if you look right. to see yeah. with with Pittman, it's you know you got Philip Rivers who knows how to slang it, and then you got T. Y. Hilton who sometimes he's not healthy, and we've seen that. And you you see his height and the way that Philip Rivers has worked with receivers who profile to run the routes that he is going to route. So run, then that's a good fantasy number. It's not a top like you're not going to draft him, you know, in the top two rounds or whatever. But like you know, it's someone to consider, especially for your dynasty leagues where you can keep them for years. Okay, so let me, oh, sorry not to interrupt, but like with dynasty, how do you model out the longer term? Like what what sort of inputs? I mean, can, you know, what I'm saying like like do you have is it do you think there's a wide variance between who you would take over the long haul? Because personally, I would take so for 2020. I would rather have probably Henry Ruggs than CD Lamb, but for the next ten years, I really like. See, I think CD Lamb is the best receiver in this class. So I, I just curious how that projects for you differently. So it really, to me, it really just comes down to some some forecast for continuity. Like Pittman, you don't know who's who his quarterback is going to be. Gotcha. So that introduces a, a large unknown. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where what you could do is you could take him in the later round and then see what nets out the quarterback position and then decide. It just increases the scale of probability. It just, it it just makes the the variance just way bigger, right? Like Jerry Judy could end up CD Lamb, Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs are the one of the three best receivers, right? We don't know which one, right? And it, it, and you don't, you're discounting Jerry Judy because 
Drew Locke doesn't seem to be the type of quarterback that's like going to have this kind of storied like future. Same right. thing, Henry Ruggs, like what, we were hearing things that Gruden loves Mariota. I don't know if I believe that, but. Never know. Now the latest buzz is that Gruden really loves Derek Carr. Sure. And then tomorrow. Yeah, NFL Network. I don't know who said it. Perfect. Um, <laughs> and there's that receiver from, um, gosh, Edwards from South Carolina. They pretend they love him now too. I saw a report that they, so just don't sure. believe any of that yet. So my question, or my, that, that's why to me, CD Lamb becomes the guy for your dynasty league that you really target because. You, you know, Dak is going to be there. Like they're going to figure out a way to get Dak in at some point. They're, they're going to pay him. It's going right. to happen. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's really about certainty, right? Like there are some things that are really uncertain. Like, like quarterbacks in, you know, both in Indianapolis and in, right. in and different, for different reasons in Las Vegas for, for very, like for, for a number of different reasons. One, one's guy got to babysit nine kids. The other guy might get benched for Marcus Mariota. The other guy has started five games in his career. Like you, there's a lot of uncertainty, whereas Dak will at some point be signed to a long-term deal because the Cowboys aren't presumably morons. Presumably. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they are. I, I'm going to say they're not morons. No, They've got no. some good players. They managed to like pay for all of them. Yeah. Except Byron Jones. They didn't, they didn't pay for Byron It's Jones. really easy to win with the good players. It's easier to win with the good players. It's not really easy to win, but it's easier to win when you got the good players. Don't need a model to tell you. Don't need, nope. don't need a model to tell you that. Model says. <laughs> um, yeah. So, all right. So last one. The, oh, actually, did any other rookies stand out when you were trying to think? Um, so. I like a loaded I'm class. It's a great class. Yeah. DeAndre Swift, who plays in Detroit. Um, that's one that I might be like, um, if you get Carrion Johnson, you're for sure handcuffing with him because Carrion Johnson has had some injury concerns, but right. I think they might like Swift more than they like Johnson. I would agree with you because they just drafted is you follow the money and follow the draft pick. Now, granted, both guys came for the SEC and were drafted in the second round by the same. GM and coach, but if you, if you draft one guy in the second round and it doesn't work out and then you dip your toe back in, probably means you like the other guy better. Um, I like Swift too. He's, he's, a, there's Georgia running backs, something about him. They're explosive. Something about them. Just need to stay healthy. I know. Uh, so yeah. So Kamara, Alvin Kamara, I think he had his like the most touch scoring the most touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And then Cam Jordan had the most sacks. How high are you on the Saints then this year? I'm very high on the Saints. Um, I think that division is going to be, you know, I, even the, even the Panthers who have more of like running back, obviously Christian McCaffrey's running back, but like, I think the amount of passes that are going to happen in that division, remember they play each other twice is just ridiculous. So I think that's part of why everyone from the NFC South faced more passes in the, my model have them facing more passes. So that's why Cam Jordan had more of an opportunity to rush the passer. Um, than other, than other. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That actually makes sense. Hmm. Who are similarly situated. And then, you know, and then the, in, on the other side of Every the Every single quarterback in that division is going to throw f- 600 passes. Maybe. I, I mean, if, if it's not, if it's not that, it's close, right? Yeah, like five to 600 you, minimum, I would think, because the Falcons have no defense. I mean, the, the Panthers have an even worse defense. Those teams would both be thrown from behind and they can score with the passing attacks. And I mean, Breeze and Peyton like to melt the clock by throwing the ball. And Tom Brady, they don't have a running game in Tampa. Yeah. And, they don't, and their defense is suspect too. So I, I just think there's going to be so that whole division is the passing division for me. And because of that, then you're going to get more opportunities and you're also going to get more. You're, I think it's going to be a higher score. Like if you're going to look at the average scores of, games for those for those teams and points allowed for the for many of those teams sure. too. That's why I think you're gonna have, you know, that it's like why did Patrick Mahomes throw for 50 touchdowns? Because they had to. They you had know, like bad defense. You obviously don't want him in that situation. You know, like it, unless it'd be I guess it'd be fun to win like 41 to nothing, but like it's very unlikely that that happens, right? So it's really about like the the configuration that allows for that to happen. And I think Cam Jordan's in this great spot. The secondary got better, but I think they're going to up front. He's just going to face more passes. So I was actually that one. I love Cam Jordan, like as a human, but that one surprised me. He's very entertaining. Oh, he's so entertaining. But, but you know, I I wasn't expecting it to be him like at all. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that either. So I'm going to see if I can find, sorry. I I could have, I should have had this eyes in front of me. I think Cam Jordan, I was looking at, because I think Miles Garrett is my pick to win defensive player of the year, but I would 
think that you could find some decent value. William Hill is not being cooperative. Sorry. I think well, that you the, find the last one. I thought it was going to be miles a year too, but now you got to remember they play the Ravens twice. You know, who runs the ball a lot, the Ravens, you know, yeah. like it's really, it's, it's about opportunity, right? Like sometimes you can be the best player in the league and not lead the league in sacks. Sure. It, it's and they play the Browns. Excuse me, they are the Browns. They play the Bengals, who should be throwing the ball. What they're doing. The Steelers are probably going to avoid trying to get Ben Roethlisberger sacked. So, all right, here we have Cam Jordan, forty to one to win Defensive Player of the Year. If he showed, and here's the thing about Cam Jordan that's interesting is like because 2011 draftee didn't get his due until like really like the last three or four years, and his his, his performance has increased exponentially, and people are really have taken notice of what he's doing. If he comes out and leads the league in sacks in 2020 and the Saints win 13 games again, eh, pretty good. I think he's going to have a little uh, little juice for defensive player of the year. I like it. I think it's worth it. And I, I was looking at, like, in my head, I do think, though, a good what – um, what's the market for Nick Bosa? So Nick Bosa is actually ahead of his brother. Nine to one for Nick Bosa. I have him ahead of his brother, too. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, but, is that now? I guess they, both teams are going to be run. The, the Chargers are going to be so run heavy and so defensively. Like, I think you're going to look at low, low snap counts for the Chargers this year. I don't know how you can take, I don't know how you can like bank on any production from that offense. I mean, what did Tyrod Taylor have in 2015? Like 3,300 passing yards for the Bills. And he played, I mean, they're just not going to be an up tempo offense. It's not what Anthony Lynn wants. And nor should it be because they got to figure out how to like slowly fold everything in. But the other part is with Melvin Ingram's uncertainty, if he misses yeah. even one game, that's as, as Greg Rosendahl pointed out a, a hold in, not a hold out. He's, he's at, he's at training camp, but he's not practicing. It's a hold. In. I love Greg. Like I almost can't be on a show with Greg because like even just his like snarky little, like, like a look he can make. And I will be in tears laughing. Cause like he's, just, he's very, so, very low key funny. Oh, this like, is like, so dry. <laughs> like I've been crying next, like laughing so hard. I was crying because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. Greg's, Greg's, yeah. yeah. So Greg but, is, Greg is high up there in 2G Greg power rankings. I mean, he's definitely above Greg Williams. Greg Williams is a wild card. You never know what to expect from that guy. Well, Greg Williams looks to me like he, like the whole bounty gate thing shook him. He's like, all right, I'm going to grow a goatee and wear these glasses and like dye my hair and no one will know I'm the bounty gate guy. It's like, that's not how it works. You still have the same name. Like everyone knows who you are. You're not tricking anyone into thinking like this is not a fake mustache situation, Greg. Exactly. You know, right. you know who's even more crazier than Greg Williams? His son, Blake. Crazier. Really? I don't know. Like, more, like f- excitable fire. Like it, like he should be on. Hard knocks or something like like real like just a real like like a lot you know like real interesting. <laughs> is it? Do they have so like Gase's father in law's is Joe Vitt. Joe Vitt, yep. Also slightly crazy. He's um, on staff too. He's an advisor. I, and that's what I'm saying. Like you got Greg Williams, Adam Gase, and Joe Vitt. That is a and you got the, Blake the, Williams too. They're Blake all Williams. there. Gangs all here. Gangs all here. No, I know that you can't, you're not allowed to talk about not having hard knocks someone other in LA because, you know, the NFL is, is a vast conspiracy to promote Los Angeles football. But why don't we have the Jets? Why don't we have the Jets? I want Gase on hard knocks. I want Greg Williams. I want Joe Vitt and Blake Williams. Give it to me. Come on. I, you know what? I, I honestly think the next, like if they, if they ever wanted to do, and I, and I never want them to stop hard knocks. Let me be clear. But if they ever wanted to do like, the most ultimate hard knocks, like maybe the finale, they should just pick like, there's like 10 or so people who Ooh. would be fun to just watch because some people are just like, not that exciting. Right. Like, or they have to like try hard to make them. Then there's other people who are just so like gaze is very low key funny. Like I'm doing a lot with the jets. I do. I, I do have to do preseason and testing this analytics sideline thing with them last year. And then, you know, and like gaze is like, He's just funny. Like, I don't know if I'm, sometimes I don't know if I'm laughing with him or at him, but I, I can say that because we're, you know, we're, we're there, but <laughs> he's got like this weird, it's, it's like, a like he, it's hard to explain. Like the way that he, like he's, he's funny, but you don't know if he's never know. Yeah. You just don't, you don't know if he's like, he thinks it's funny or if he does. It's, it's very, anyway, uh, we, we've gone off on a tangent, which is what. Well, no, here, here's my last one on that. So 
all right. When I, I'm from, build on tangents, tangent away. I like tangents. I'm from East Lansing, Michigan. Well, Oakham is next to East Lansing. Nick yeah. Saban was the coach at Michigan State when I was there. Dean Pease was the defensive coordinator. Dean Pease's wife, Melly, was my volleyball coach. Wow. So, right. So I feel like I'm a Saban. I'm a Saban disciple. Obviously, I've been coached by Saban ipso facto osmosisly. That's sure. the word. Um. So so Adam Gase was a college student at Michigan State when I was a high school student, and I was right. taking math classes. We were in the same math class. So. <laughs> no way. Have you, did you did you know like Have you known each other? You know what I'm saying like like when you. Have you like have you been in touch because you worked in the NFL? So like, do you know it or okay, or is it like, wait, were you in that math class or is it one of those? I, things? It was kind of like, well, I was like fifteen, right, so. right, 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 right? Yeah, and he's like, a, and he's like, oh my god, this calculus sucks. Well, I mean, it just it's just funny when like those like life happens, like of course, right? Right. it's just it's just very funny. So I I feel and he's one of the first of all the things that you the only things I will say about Adam that everyone should know that nobody knows like he is like a wonderful dad and he's a great girl dad which oh that's I, cool it's so cool and he's like his kids wear um like the quarterback like thing oh, that's and cool. during the games if you ever see they like they like look up at the at the thing and they'll have the little playbooks and they'll oh. have like actual plays like not the ones they're going to run because Adam is like paranoid that like Bill right. Belichick will somehow find it. But like, 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 yeah, like, like, like kidnap his kids and like take the armbands or something like that. Right. But it's like, there's some plays on there with like the real things and the kids will be like, you will be like, it's very cute. So it's, it's really sweet. So he, he's a, and he's a great girl dad, like supports his daughters, like gymnastics and all of this stuff. So I, I have to give credit. We're credit. <gasps> Sorry. Robbie, can you say hello? Hello. Hi, How, How are you doing? That's, can you say hi to Miss Cynthia? That's like Miss Cynthia, like at school. Okay, good afternoon. I'll be downstairs in a second. I'm coming. I have to finish my podcast. Oh my gosh, that just made my okay. day. All right, we'll go plug it in with the red cord. Okay, well, I guess the podcast is over then since Robbie has showed up. Yeah, sit down and be quiet. For oh, you're five, so cute. Uh, sorry, Cynthia. Uh, no, this happens on a regular basis. Hey, listen, it's the perils of working from home. I love it. Oh, does that feel good? All right, go downstairs, count to 30, I'll be right there. there. Count to 30. You have 5% left. All right, anyway, uh, Cynthia, thank you so much. Awesome thank show, you. great talk. Uh, I appreciate it. Sorry for the, the interruption here at the end. I'm sure. Why? Good I luck. love it. Good Don't luck editing that, Debo. Uh, follow her at C Freeland on Twitter. Watch her on NFL Game Day and uh, check her out on NFL.com. Always a pleasure. 